Phelps got him pumped. He's up and he's alongside Phelps. Alongside of him. Lucky two. The crowd will go crazy. Phelps is under waters. I'm so good. World record pace. This is sensational. People thought I was absolutely crazy trying to win eight gold medals. I didn't. I believed it. I lived it. I dreamt it. I imagined it. I visualized every little part of it. How I want it to go, how I don't want it to go, how it could go. Every single race. Visualize every part of it. It's never been a better swimmer. The most decorated swimmer. Michael Phelps is miles ahead. Welcome to The Only Way Is Through, a collaboration between Under Armour and iHeartRadio. Episode 8, Michael Phelps, Fish Out of Water. For every athlete, there comes a point when their journey must come to an end, the conclusion of their work, where everything is left on the field and their accomplishments are behind them. But a life of competition stays with you. It's ingrained in you. It's part of your chemistry. The work may not be the same, but that energy continues to flow. The question becomes, can you harness it? Can you manifest it into something new? Retiring at 31 may seem strange to some, but Michael Phelps has lived a lifetime in the pool, working through each challenge, breaking through every goal with relentless determination. With 23 gold medals under his belt, Phelps got to go out on top the way he wanted to as the greatest Olympian in history. As he stepped out of the pool and into civilian life, he's had to make adjustments, retooling the things that defined him in the water to challenge himself to help others on land, raising mental health awareness for those who may be too afraid to speak up, to fight for those who struggle like he did so that he can lead by example in a new kind of way. It's a lot of responsibility to shoulder. But it's what he needs because he feeds off the pressure. Cal sat down with Michael to talk more. What's it like to go into an Olympic race with a number in your head that you want to beat and you don't beat it, but you win a gold medal. When I go to a race, you know, clearly I know the time that I'm trying to reach, right? Like that's what I was preparing for. That's what I was training for. When I write my goals down, say, you know, say I want to go, let's just use this as an example, two minutes in a race. So if I want to go two minutes, I have to probably be out in 57, 58 at the first hundred. And then I got to be 102, 103 coming back. So once I have that, then I then break it down even farther and say, what do I have to do the first 50, second 50, third 50, fourth 50? How do I control my stroke? How many kicks am I taking off the wall? All of this. How many breaths am I taking? So then you you break it down. It's going to get deep here. But then you break it down that much. And then the 50s that I'm doing in practice, I need to do six to eight kicks off of every wall. I need to take 17 strokes a lap, trying to be distance per stroke, trying to be as efficient as I can. So you break all of that stuff down and that's it. You know, I was wondering, (laughs) 
That's all. There you go. That's my career in a nutshell. (laughs) I was wondering, like, watching some of the video where you'd say you're doing the backstroke. Yeah. You're approaching the wall, and I'm wondering, like, how does he know? I feel I'm more, like, just hypersensitive. So that's, that's just, I mean, that's the easiest way for me to explain it. When I jump in the water, like, I feel the water on my fingertips. I feel the water all over my body. When I kick, I can feel the water on top and the bottom of my foot. If there's a speaker underwater, I feel sound waves. It disrupts my body underwater. I can go out and say I'm probably one of the most hypersensitive people in water out there. So it's back to repetition, right? If I can be as efficient as I can in the water for a million strokes, it's easy, right? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. The other day, so I had a guy a month ago now, he basically broke down a golf swing to the simplest way where I could understand it. And he was just like, yeah, it's simple. And I said, why is that word in my head so much? What reason is that in my head? It's telling me something, obviously, right? I have to break it down into so many different ways. You mean this just came back. to you two weeks ago? I mean, this, okay, so, so I, oh, for me, like, I, I just felt like I was probably almost in my own way. Because like, like what I go through now with my sons, like I internalize a lot of the stuff and like beat myself up when I feel like I'm not doing the best job. Like, like I just, I inter- like just crush myself. Even so, as a father? Even as a father, yeah. So I'm like, okay, I need to simplify it. I need to like break it down and simplify it. So I started thinking that, saying that word, and then I have this experience with Mr. Abbott. And then that's literally the one thing that I try to do every day is simplify my life in some way. Because that's what I did when I swam, right? I wake up, eat, and go to the pool, stretch, swim, do whatever I do there, go home, lay down, get prepared for the afternoon workout, eat, go swim, come home, do the same thing, right? It's simple. My, my, my routine and my schedule was very easy. So if I did that for 25 years, 20 plus years, and I was able to be pretty successful, <laughs> um, then why, why, why shouldn't I then do that in everyday life, right? You know what I mean? Like This is wild that it's only two weeks ago for you to get like a complete grip on this. But it's, I mean, I think it's just more of like an eye opener, right? And it's just like, I guess for me, it's, it's this is where I am in life, right? You know, five years ago, I probably wouldn't have been able to break it down like this. But with what I've gone through and experienced since now being retired, I can take a step back and break it down even more, right? Because I haven't, well, because then if you think about it, like throughout my career, I basically just, I would eat, sleep, and swim. So I could never process what was going on because I was always on to the next thing. I was on to the next meet, on to the next training, like this, that, the other. Okay, now now I fully understand. <laughs> Maybe. <I'm- laughs> Michael's wife, Nicole, is an ally in his fight for mental health awareness. They've traveled the country together, heard people's struggles, and opened up about their own. And through this, She's created an environment for her family to grow. Here's Nicole. It's kind of that never-ending journey that you're on day after day, right? No matter who you are. For Michael, it wasn't a priority. And it didn't need to be a priority because he had a focus. He Swimming was number one. Swimming came before absolutely everything in his life, which is where he made those sacrifices to do what he's done and accomplished. And now that that's no longer there that mental health component plays a massive role in who he is. 
when Michael was swimming, he was able to take out that that anger or the pain that he was feeling on himself in the water. And he was able to use that to beat opponents, if you will. As difficult as it is that his mental health was set aside, it created a base for him to be able to become a very good person outside of it all. And I think it just continues to drive him day in and day out. In any sport, players need guidance. They need structure. Under the eye of coach Bob Bowman, Michael learned that dedication was only the beginning. Bowman coached Michael his entire career. He pushed Michael to dig deeper, fight harder than he ever thought possible. And Michael listened because the two connected on one thing, do whatever it takes to win. How do you know when to trust a coach? Hmm. Because there are a lot of different coaches out there, a lot of different ways that they can move somebody along. How do you know? It's a great question. And honestly, I, I... Going back to that day, I don't know what it was that made me trust my coach. You know, maybe it was just that he believed in me and that was all I wanted. You know, he showed that there was, he had confidence in me being able to accomplish whatever I wanted. You know, I think at that age with what I was going through with, you know, my parents separating and, you know, he was kind of almost like a father figure to me. You know, I was spending so much time around him. He knew I wanted to obviously be an Olympian, world record, oh, yada, yada, yada. But he just believed that he could get me there. And four years he showed me. And I said, okay, let's keep going. I mean, like, that's really all it was. Like, he just, he showed, he showed and believed that, yeah, I could do whatever I put my mind to. Four years we did it. And then six months later, broke our first world record. And then it just took off. So, but I think what he had for me, was better than any other coach. Like if I swam for any other coach throughout my career, I would never have had the success that I did. He could push my buttons better than any other human out there. Why Why was he able to do that? He was an did asshole. You? I don't know. <laughs> no. Um, um, I, I don't, I mean, I think it was just because we both had such a similar passion. Like we, we, we didn't care how hard it was going to be, you know, like we just, we wanted it that bad and nobody was going to stop us. So um, yeah, we just pushed through or found a way to push through everything. Did he know exactly the right things to say to you when you needed mm-hmm. to hear them? He knew how to piss me off and, 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 and how to piss you off. But it's also like he knew exactly what to say or do to make me go to a different level mentally and a different gear physically, which then at that point you do it over time. Right, but I'm thinking of a 13, 14-year-old. But I was just hungry. I, mean, I, I, I didn't want to lose. You know, I think it's like, but also I was swimming with kids that were older than me. So when we first started swimming, it was in a four-lane pool with five or six people in a lane. So it's every man for themselves. I mean, the lanes are five, six feet wide. So you put five or six people in there. Like I, so like I'm like maneuvering my way in and out of people blasting them into the lane rope if I have to just fighting for myself to like they, they they wouldn't let me go in front of them even though I was faster so I had to basically bust through them me going through that process at 12 13 14 year old kid um, you know swimming with these 18 year olds at that point gave me more confidence so when I did stand up behind the block I I knew I was prepared 
Wow. So much of this happens in places that nobody ever sees mm -hmm. when they're yeah. turning on and seeing mm -hmm. the Olympic moment. Yeah. That idea of just thrashing through everybody. Do we have, is there a videotape of I'm this? I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure there is at some point. Yeah. I mean, it was, I swam in that pool for God, 15 years, 10 years. And how, how did the people react as you're going through them? Like after you come out of the pool, did they? There was not, I mean, I feel like there was an understanding after a few weeks that. This guy ain't going to be stopped. Yeah, they kind of had to move out of the way for me. Um, <laughs> I guess that's how this podcast got its name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's sacrifice. Okay, you have drive, you have determination. But if you're not willing to sacrifice your birthday and Christmas and Thanksgiving and Easter and that one day off that you've been given, but you should probably go do whatever you need to do to better yourself or your sport or your job, then you're not winning 23 gold medals. And to this day, there's sacrifice. There's sacrifice of, okay, I'm not going to go golf today because I'm going to be home with my family or I'm not going to go over to so-and-so's house because I'm going to stay here and I'm going to spend 15 minutes of undivided attention with my sons. It's the sacrifice. And I think, yes, Michael has drive. Yes, Michael has done a lot. And I think what a lot of people forget is the amount of sacrifice Michael gave for his accomplishments and what he continues to do. What happens to get you to your first Olympics? which you're going to do at an incredibly young age. What helped me get to my first Olympics was really just the five, probably five years of not missing a single day. You know, I think, you know, being able to, to almost perfect, I guess, you know, the best way for me to move through the water stroke wise. And yeah, just consistency, right? I mean, that, that gave me that chance to be able to, I mean, I guess like going in six months before trials, I was, you know, top five in the country. Uh, I go to trials in 2000. I was seventh at the last 50. Uh, ended up getting second. Um, go to the Olympics, get fifth, three tenths of a second out of meddling. Uh, I was upset. Um, I got back in the water the very next day. Started training for the next four years. Broke a world record six months later. Um, and then I think really just you know everything not going perfectly in Sydney and not coming home with a medal. Like they gave you a piece of paper, like congratulations, and I was. Oh, I was pissed man. about that. Like, I don't want to. I don't want a certificate that said I went and competed at the Olympics. Like, I want hardware. I want a real piece. I want a medal. And that right there was just motivation for me going in the next four years to make sure that, like, when I when I had that next chance to stand up on the on the Olympic level, that I was ready to basically just tear everyone's head off, just go gangbusters. If you listen to Debbie Phelps speak, it's easy to understand where Michael's relentless drive comes from. She has conviction. She championed him as he grew through each level until he reached the Olympic stage. Here's Debbie. He always had goals he set for himself at every meet. When he was not successful in meeting those goals, he would get really upset. I can remember a time at George Mason University when he wanted to break a 200 free record. I think it was Matt Biondi's. And he didn't do it. And he's like, I'm so upset. I didn't break that record. I said, uh-huh. I, I, I know, I saw it, I, I saw. But let's go to the realization, Michael. 
you will go back and you will swim that race again. And I bet with your work ethic that you will break that record. You step three steps forward, then you step two back and say, you know, let's regroup here. We were always regrouping as a family in our house. I had three kids at three different pools at three different times. But also during that time, I went back and finished my master's. Everybody was moving. It was continuously fluid. So I think what they saw necessarily in the household of what we were all doing as a, as a family, it made us just stronger. And, and it did put, put pressure on us for excellence, to strive for excellence. And do it. If you're going to do it, you're going to do it right. You're not going to do it half. What a transition, because I'm listening to you tell these stories and the way you think when you're 15 compared to the way you're thinking. In my career, is probably the same way throughout the the whole entire time. Really? really, Probably. Well, here, here's the thing. At 15, you're pissed to get Mm -hmm. this certificate. Mm -hmm. Later on. I'm also pissed to get a silver, though. I'm pissed to get a bronze. So <laughs> you're yeah, it's even, the same thing. You're even pissed to get a gold when you At don't times. hit the number yeah. you want. Because it's like, why am I wasting four years if I'm not if I'm not getting faster? Or why am I wasting a single year of training if I'm not gonna get any faster? Oh man. But but also like my phone I am, my best phone I am is four oh three eighty four three eighty one. Before I broke the world record in the phone I am for the very first time, the world record was four eleven eight. 411.81, 411.84, something like that by Tom Dolan. I broke it once at 410. And then after that, I said, all right, what can I, what can I do to go 405? Five seconds faster than any other human being has possibly gone or thought about going ever. How can I do it? I got to figure it out, right? It's a numbers game. So then I break that down. What do I have to be out in, in butterfly? What do I have to do in backstroke? What do I have to do in breaststroke? What do I have to finish it in freestyle? And then how many times in practice do I have to replicate that feeling in order to get to the Olympics and have it be nothing? I just fall in the water and go. So we break down things so many you know, different it, times. It gets the simplicity. You're just breaking it to the- That's all we are, yeah. But it's almost like we're, we're like that anal about it, really. Just that engaged, obsessed. So when you win your first Olympic gold medal, what does it feel like? Do you, are you filled with a hunger for more? Are you satiated in any way? Or does it not even matter because you're just so focused on going faster? I mean, the very first one, obviously, you know, you chase it for so long. You know, I chased it for 18 years. It was in Athens when I won my first. I'll never forget standing on the podium and then coming off of the podium and going back to the warm down pool. And I actually passed my medal through a chain link fence to my mom. And I said, we did it. Hillary, Whitney and I go down to the chain link fence. Michael and Bob are coming towards us. The medal is around his neck. In his other hand, he has a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. As he walks to that fence, 
And every time I tell this story, I have what has been quite a DP moment. He puts that metal through that fence and says, Mom, look what I've done. And it was the most magical moment. Because as a mother, I went back to him being an age group swimmer when he was 10 years old. And watching him come across that pool deck with his coach, it just, it was that, that same, that same scenario, that same picture I had when he was 10 years old. And after we had our moment and we hugged and we high-fived and we kissed, Bob said, All right, that's enough. Let's get in the pool. Let's get warmed down. We have another race tomorrow morning. I'm like, Jesus. I'm like, I literally just spent my whole life trying to win this one gold medal and I can't even really enjoy it, right? Because I, I had something else to do. So it was like as magical as it was and as heartwarming as it was and such a tearful moment and a cheerful moment, Bob knew there was a plan in place for him to swim the next eight days and we were done being gushy. It's kind of wild now looking back at him because everyone has a story and I'm able to now kind of relive the memories that I had because it was just so hard to, to do it during the time. Your life is just focused on what's next and how to get there in the simplest way. Yep, that's it. And that's like a formula for success that applies. And everything. Everything. Anything in life, yeah. I mean, like we, like we said earlier, look at kids. It's the purest form of life, right? They fall down, they might cry for a sec, but then after that, they forget about it and move on, right? Like they, they, they don't, they don't hold on to like, I don't know, the, I guess the petty stuff or like the small stuff, you know what I mean? They just let it go to where sometimes our ego can get in our way or, you know, so it's like, that's why I think like when I look at my kids now, you know, I, I almost try and take what I see and implement it as much as I can into my life. Right, because it's it's the only way that I'm going to grow as a person, right? And I could see if you had resented the moment where your coach says, "Hey, let's get warmed up for tomorrow," and wanted to stay there with your mom long. That resentment. I didn't might- have the opportunity. I, w- I wouldn't have had the opportunity, or maybe I couldn't have had the opportunity had I not done this. Right? Had I not listened to him, right? Maybe I wouldn't have you know, been third. Maybe I would have been fifth the next day in the 200 free. Here's Nicole Phelps. I think every single day is a different perspective on mental health. And I think as we move forward, we'll learn more and more. It's kind of that never ending journey that you're on day after day, right? No matter who you are. And for Michael, it, it wasn't a priority and it didn't need to be a priority because he had a focus. He Swimming was number one. Swimming came before absolutely everything in his life, which is where he made those sacrifices to do what he's done and accomplished. And now that that's no longer there, that mental health component plays a massive role in who he is in order for him to be just able to live day to day without something else ruling his life. And it's been, you know, there's days that are really difficult to watch with Michael and there's days that are absolutely incredible. And people will reach out to me and they'll share stuff with me. And they're like, thank you so much for you and Michael being out there and talking about mental health and making it okay to share. And I think that's the biggest thing that we're seeing within our society right now is that transformation of being open and willing to talk about 
your struggles versus you're not allowed to see what's wrong with me because that's a weakness. So what happens on this journey going forward? Because you're saying that all the metals have a story of their own. After you leave Athens, what's the next story that pushes you forward? Well, I wasn't perfect. I lost. <laughs> right? I mean, in all seriousness, like, it's all about winning. I hated to lose more than anything. So, but like, I also know that if I didn't hit a time, then part of it is probably on me, right? Then probably I didn't do everything that I could have. And I learned that, I think, really in, in 2003, 2002, 2003, I basically tried to tell my coach that I wanted to do it my way, and his way was not working. And what was your way, the way you were proposing? Oh, I wanted it easier. <laughs> so we, we, we all know what kind of results when you get when you want it the easy way. So that was, that was a learning experience for me because he gave me the easier program, but then I still expected to have the great results. It doesn't work. It's not how it goes. Was it humble pie going back to him? Yeah. 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 What was that like if you were um, seeing it in a movie? I mean, I think the biggest thing was just like, when I came back in 14, he said to me, are you ready to do this? And I said, yeah, well, that's why I'm doing it, right? And he goes, well, it's going to be done my way and there's no other way to do it. So I knew that I just, I had to check everything else out. I just listened to everything he had to tell me. If he said jump, I'd say, how high? Just how it works. He probably knew my body better than I did. He probably knew what I could do better than I did. So I just had to trust him and believe him. You can make all these deposits, these training deposits in the bank. You can build up such a lead that- Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. That's the thing. So it's like, I make one big withdrawal, what, I mean, really every four years, right? Like that's where I'm trying to make the massive withdrawal with everything that we've been putting into it. So all of my hard work and training, I'm looking for the Olympics, right? I only get that every four years. So that's, that's my biggest goal. How can I get as prepared as I can for that? So how much money can I deposit into my, my personal body bank to be able to withdraw when I need it? And if I'm not doing the work and those lights come on and I'm not prepared, I'm going to lose or I'm not going to swim well. I'm going to go slow. That's how it works. Do you 2012, 200 butterfly. What happened? I got touched up. I deserve that. I didn't prepare for it. Do you play that over in your mind again and again and again? I still play that race in my head. It pisses me off. What, 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 play it for me now. What am I saying? Uh, I mean, just... Uh, Is it too painful? No, no, no. It's just, I mean, I, I know that, you know, if I'm not long on the first wall, if I'm not long on the last wall, I win the race. You know, for me, leading up to that point, I was missing, you know, a week or two weeks here at a time of practice. I just wouldn't come because I didn't care. So it goes back to you get what you deserve. Wow. So really, it's not the moment. It's, it's knowing what was behind the moment. So much of this, everything is happening in places where nobody else is seeing it. Always, but yeah. You, I mean, it's like our Under Armour spot that we did going into sixteen. You know, it's what happens behind closed doors. It's what happens in the dark. That's what brings you out to the light. So, you know, every day when I was grinding my, you know, my tail off, I was trying to do everything I could to give myself a chance at the end of the day. You're on the podium 
with Ryan Hill, and he's in his first international event. He's winning the gold medal for the first time, and he asks you. Basically, he's like, can we cry? Like, I don't know how to do this. Like, I've never been up here before. And you're just like, dude, let, let the emotions go. Let them, let them fly out. And, and honestly, it was like just streaming tears. To me, it was something that I've never seen or like been able to feel because I was always focused on what I was doing next. So like being able to, for me to experience what I had throughout my life and then be open enough to, you know, see the emotions, the raw emotions that that he was going through. And, and in that moment, it's just, it's the greatest feeling in the world, right? Like you're, you're winning an Olympic medal with your teammates. I mean, I, I never, ever really cried on the stay on the podium because I was so conscious of my emotional energy. So it was something that I had to contain as much as I could in order to make it a whole eight day program. So I couldn't let my emotions take over there. I had to hold everything back. Here's Debbie Phelps once more. In 2012, when it was supposed to be his last games and I had so many parents come up to me and thank me for Michael's mentorship, which Prior to that time, I'm not saying Michael did not get involved with the swimmers, but he was so entrenched by his platform and his program. I saw that mentoring start then, but then I saw him go into 2012 where he had such a free-spirited way that he embraced the games in Rio. Watching him transition from a sport that he loves to being an advocate for clean sport, the next generation of athletes, watching him be a businessman leading his foundation board, watching him open up about mental health in reference to talking about his life. I feel that he is filling, if that's the word I want to use, his time well with his boys, Nicole, and his new profession but sometimes I think when he's idle, he doesn't know what to do with his time because it was so structured before. Mental health is very difficult to chase because it's not tangible. So there's nothing that can be handed to him at the end of the day. But when he's in the setting of speaking in front of thousands of people and somebody stands up and says, I wanted my dream job. I got my dream job. I'm here at my dream job. I want to kill myself. And they've never opened up to anyone before. That's something that Michael can see right in front of him and see, and he sees that he is making a difference. Everybody has a different definition of who Michael is in their heart, but I think the biggest difference and what drives him today is that purpose of helping people save lives or helping people live happier or helping couples remain together because of this awareness around the mental health stigma that's been in our society for years. So for so many years, you've been, you were holding, holding, holding back. And now you're at a stage where you can see somebody just bust loose and into tears. You're a different person in a way. But but I think like the only reason that allowed me to experience how I did was probably because of 
life's process that I was I was going through, right? The ups and downs that I went through to to almost just take a step back and try to simplify things, right? Like live in that moment, be present for that you know that moment. I mean, I, I for me, like I felt like a dad on that team. I mean, I was a dad, but I was the oldest dude. I mean, you know, one of the oldest guys. I've been around for ever. You know, with 33 rookies or 32 rookies that we had in that team, I felt like I wanted to try and take all of them under my wing as much as I could to try to help them get ready for the future. A completely different person. Yeah. I mean, it's the first time probably in my life that I talked to every single human being on that team. And I was a team captain. So it was, yeah, it was, it was a big, big close um, to my career and, and, you know, the best way to close my career. So you went out the way you wanted to go out and you enter a new phase of life. How does everything that you learn in the pool on your journey affect where you're going now? Well, in reality, it's basically the same thing, right? Because I'm trying to accomplish a goal. And that's all I tried to do in the pool. So it's kind of weird for me now going through this part of life because I feel like I've taken more strokes in the swimming pool than I have taken steps on planet Earth. Because if you think about it, like, I mean, you heard my day, right? Like I was sleeping, I was laying down, I was watching TV, like I was always off my feet. So now I'm taking 10, 15,000 steps a day. My body has to adjust to that. So I'm basically learning a part of life just like my kids are learning now. This is, this only gets more surreal. <laughs> so think about that, right? Like it's, it's so crazy because I literally have been in water my whole life. And now I'm a fish out of water. And where are you taking things now? <laughs> For me, like I'm very lucky to have, or to start the next chapter of my life and still be able to do what I love. I got involved in swimming because my mom wanted me to be water safe. Water safety is one of the highest causes of death for children under the age of 14. So I'm trying to teach as many kids as I can to be water safe. Mental health is something that I struggle with and have struggled with my whole life. It's not going to leave me. I'm still going to have anxiety issues or anxiety problems, or I'm going to have depression spells. Like it's just, it's just what makes me me. So, and I know there are a lot of people out there that are struggling from the same exact thing. So, being able to help people understand it's okay to not to be okay. It's okay to go through struggles. It's okay to ask for help. I didn't want to ask for help for a long time, but I can't do everything by myself. So it's like all of these things that I'm able to learn myself, but then also try to also save a life. Are there ways that you could still put your goals on the refrigerator now? Oh, of course. Oh, you yeah. still have your goals on uh, the refrigerator? They're, they're not there now. Uh, I, I, but it, it maybe just need to have them in your mind. No, I, like I, I'm old school. I got to see it. I got to write it down. I want pen and paper. I, I, I want to I see why I'm, why I'm getting out of bed every day. The times that I had my goal sheet were in my closet. Every time I went in my closet to get dressed, I saw them. So I lived it every day. I obsessed over it. If I'm writing them down and I'm taking the, the, the time to go through that process, that time is important to me. It's meaningful to me. I'm gonna do everything in my life that's going to help me get there and give me a chance to get there. And if I'm not, then I might as well just give up. I think we search for why Michael did what he did and why he continues to accomplish what he did. And I think at the end of the day, 
it comes down to being willing to do what other people aren't willing to do. We want instant gratification, but we don't want to put in the hard work to do it. You can ask me, is there anything that he did that we don't know about? But everybody's been privy to what Michael's done. I mean, he trained his butt off. And a lot of the kids that are coming up don't want to put in the hard work. And they don't want to do what he did. And so they're not going to get to what Michael did. And that goes with anything. And even I struggle with putting in the hard work to go do, to become better at something, right? And I think that that is what I witnessed from day one. I mean, it is what's done in the dark still that you don't recognize that is what has created Michael and what will continue to create Michael. When you think of what you can accomplish now, saving lives of some kids who might not have gotten out of the water okay, or helping people with mental issues. Can that be put on a piece of paper so that you could say, yeah, this is what I want to do. I want to save this many people this year. It it might be that, but it might be like... Ambiguous. No, I don't think it's ambiguous at all because, I mean, if it's your goal, then you obviously believe you can do it. Like a goal shouldn't be something that I can go to bed and then tomorrow accomplish. You know, like it's a process of it. I have to have something that's challenging enough, important enough, exciting enough, that's going to keep me interested and engaged to go through the hardest times, right? You have to. Me winning eight gold medals was something that was exciting enough to keep me engaged throughout my career, right? So, wow. okay. you know, like, so I'm just putting two and two together. I'm trying to make this as simple as possible. So you're waking up now thinking about people who... How can I make a difference? How can I help? How can I help somebody who's struggling, whether it's from depression, whether it's learn to swim, whether it's anxiety, it doesn't matter. How can I help somebody become better? How can I make the world a better place? It's like you've managed to up the ante. Challenging, right? I'm challenging myself. People thought I was absolutely crazy trying to win eight gold medals, right? I didn't. I imagined it. I visualized every little part of it. How I want it to go, how I don't want it to go, how it could go. Can you visualize where you're going to take your journey now, five years down the road, ten years down the road? That's the process of what I'm trying to do now, yeah. In reality, it's basically the same thing. Like, what I'm trying to do on land is the same thing that I was trying to do in the pool, right? It's a goal. So now I'm just trying to learn how to do it on land. Is, is there a way to even know what your programs are doing? Like, how would you know that you saved somebody's life? Well, I mean, you can see based off of how many kids you teach water safety, you know, how many kids go through that class and can feel comfortable enough that if they're in the pool, they can manage to swim or to get to safety if they need to. So it's a numbers game. It's all life is, right? Numbers. It's times. Seconds. So then the other question is, how do you define time? It's the one thing we don't have. It's the one resource that we're never going to be able to get back. We're always going to run out of time. So how do you manage your time? What do you do with the time that you're given? If it's focused on what you're trying to achieve, then you're probably going to have a pretty damn good shot at getting there. The only way it's through is a collaboration between Under Armour and iHeartMedia. The show is produced by Elise Conway 
Kellyanne Bondelich, Andy Kelly, Brian Murray, and Russ Axelrod in partnership with Ryan Ovadia, Daniel Ainsworth, Haley Erickson, and Garrett Shannon of Banter. This has been The Only Way Is Through.